From the Financial Times in New York, I'm John Authors and this is FT News. We have a very important set of testimony expected on Wednesday from Janet Yellen, the chair of the Federal Reserve. She is talking to Congress at a point when it's obvious that confidence in central banks, confidence in the Federal Reserve is very strained. We've seen a remarkable sell-off in bank stocks. We've seen very sharp moves in bond markets. Many people are now saying that the decision to raise rates for the first time in a decade back in December was a mistake. How on earth can she balance all these different voices calling on her to move in different directions? I spoke about this to Mohamed El Arian, these days a consultant to Alliance, formerly a very senior person both at the uh, Harvard Endowment and at PIMCO, who has recently published a new book, The Only Game in Town. I asked him, how could Janet Yellen reconcile with all these forces? So there are certain things that are not beyond her powers, and there's one thing that is beyond. What's mm. not beyond? First, markets will be looking to her to get an assessment of how resilient is the U.S. economy to headwinds from global economic weakness and from financial volatility. Right. So she can help us figure out how resilient is the real economy. Secondly, people are going to be interested in wages. Wage growth is really important mm. because consumption is such an important part of, of the economy. And also, the more wage, wages go up, the less we worry about deflation. So people are going to be looking to her to interpret what was a good wage number in Friday's employment report and see whether it is sustainable or not. And finally, they're going to be looking to her to make sure that the banking system is indeed sound, that the U.S. banks do not share the, the issues of their European counterpart. And I think she can help us on these issues. What she cannot do is serve as the catalyst for what we really need, which is the policy handoff from excessive reliance on central banks to a much broader policy response. The hope is that she could shake lawmakers into doing a better job in terms of economic governance, but I think the reality is she's not going to be able to do that. But I mean, that's I mean, Bernanke in 2008 tried to make sure that Congress took responsibility for TARP. Draghi and Trichet have both at different times tried to uh, force the uh, force the politicians to deal with the eurozone crisis. Even if she wanted to play that game, she's got to wait. Well, the new president doesn't take over until January of next year. We're talking about 11 months when the whole design of the way this country, the U.S., is is meant to operate means that it would be very difficult indeed for any kind of a, a clear response, doesn't it? I mean, that, that, that's so still think, quite alarming. Think of, of a, tech, a technocrat going to the politicians. They have three levels. One is just to inform. Hmm. The second is to inform and influence. The third is to inform, influence, and impose. Chairman Bernanke was actually able to impose back in 2008 because, because the alternative was a Great Depression. Yeah. The most that Chair Yellen could do, can do right now is to inform and influence. But it's important because a lot of the people that she's going to speak to are coming back. Right. Right. So you have to have a continuous narrative and you have to inform and influence politicians and alert them that if they don't move, then we will lose control of our economic destiny and then economic insecurity and financial insecurity is going to become a major issue. One final question, Mohammed. I agree with you on, on wage inflation. It's for the economy, it's extremely positive that at last 
wage inflation is rising, uh, you know, is above two percent, that people might actually beginning to be beginning to feel well remunerated. Doesn't that also mean inflationary pressure? How does she point out, yay, we have wage growth at last, without that being interpreted by the markets as that means I'm going to keep on hiking rates, Mr. Market, even though you're now betting that I'm not going to hike rates at all for the remainder of this year. So it's interesting because why are we so terrified of 25 basis points when market rates can move by that much in two days? The reason why we're so terrified is because we're not convinced that the fundamentals are sound. So to the extent that the fundamentals get better, the markets will be less worried about the 25 basis points. And the market will also realize that as Chairman Bernanke reminded us back in August 2010 when he put QE2 on the table, it's about, quote, benefits, costs, and risks. And the longer we stay with artificial, unconventional monetary policy, the lower the benefits and the higher the costs and risks. So this ultimately is about promoting inclusive growth. And if we can promote inclusive growth, then then this obsession with 25 basis points is going to give way to the the more lasting beneficial impact of better fundamentals. Okay, I advertise my last question as being the last. I do want to ask one more. What is the risk, however, that we don't that we we still for the time being have that obsession with 25 basis points? How do we get beyond the obsession with 25 basis points? I mean, we absolutely have it. I mean, for me, it's striking that that most people in the marketplace welcomed the 25 basis point hike in December. And initially, everything was fine. And then we had a, po- a series of uncharacteristic policy mistakes out of China. And then we had some other things. And now, the very same people who welcomed that, this rate hike are calling for a cut in rates. Yes. Right? And that speaks to over-dependence on, on central banks. You, the economy hasn't fundamentally changed between December and now. The employment report was actually quite an encouraging employment report. And I think that the sooner markets get off this excessive dependence of central banks, I call it the BFF right. syndrome, that we believe that they're their best friend forever and therefore they'll always come in and save us, right? the sooner we get off that, the better it is for the markets themselves, and certainly the better it is for the economy. Okay, Mohamed, I hope uh, Janet was listening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.